views and opinions expressed in the following paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners. Welcome to Straight Talk and Retirement. Your no-hype source for financial advice and making informed choices about your retirement planning. Get on the phone to talk today at 314-931-5877 or text your question to 84126. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and JBL Financial Services, Inc. are separate entities from LPL Financial now, here are your retirement coaches, Jeff and Aaron Lapidus. Well, hello, St. Louis, and welcome to Straight Talk on Retirement. You're live and local, St. Louis's favorite financial call-in show. I'm Jeff Lapidus, president of JBL Financial Services. Our offices are located in beautiful, chilly downtown Olivet, Missouri. I am a 40-plus year veteran of the financial services area, a fee-based financial planner and wealth manager. And I'm joined by my very able family and crew. My oldest daughter, Erin Lapidus, who is a fee-based financial planner and wealth manager. And Rob Markham, my son-in-law and our life insurance and fixed annuity sales specialist. Good morning. Good morning. We help our clients make smart choices about their money. The way we do that is by designing a game plan, a written step-by-step strategy, a real game plan that has several goals in mind. First, it's to preserve, protect, and prudently grow the assets our clients have taken their entire lifetimes to accumulate. Second is to deliver a reliable stream of income, one that they can count on, so they can do all the things they'd like to do during retirement. And third is cost-effectively addressing their health care needs, like helping individuals enroll in Medicare and choosing the right plan to couple with their Medicare coverage. And then when they're done enjoying their assets during their lifetime, we show them how to pass them on to the people they love, whether it's their spouses or children, grandchildren, churches, or charities, whoever it might be, without Uncle Sam or the tax courts taking a big bite out of their money. And as their wealth managers, Aaron and I, watch their money every single day, to make sure they're staying on track. And that's why they call us the Retirement Coaches. Gang, again, good morning. Thanks so much for everybody for tuning in to us on another cool St. Louis weekend. We have a lot of things on our mind. What's more important is what's on yours. So don't forget, you can give us a call at 314-931-5877 or 84126 from the KTRS text line. But there are lots of ways you can keep in touch with us during the week. That's right. Log on to our website, jblfinancial.com. In the upper right-hand corner, you can click on the Contact Us button, request a coaching session, both financial or Medicare. And uh, you can also ask us a question during the show. If you'd like, we'll try to get to those. In the lower left-hand side of the screen, you can click Sign Up for our monthly newsletter. We call it the Coach's Corner, and we do 
uh, put a new one out every single month. We can mail or email it to you, whatever your preference might be. And uh, let's do a quick run-through of our January newsletter for anyone that might not be currently receiving it. Yeah, we're just blowing through this month. And got some great articles in the January edition you're definitely going to want to check out. First one being economy staying strong after a worrisome decline in the back half of 2022. Inflation-adjusted gross domestic product continues to rebound, and the latest quarter was up 4.9%. Certainly a, a good, strong, robust sign. Our next article, Can Your Personality Influence Your Portfolio? I think this is the gem of this month's newsletter. I've had a lot of fun reading this one, and researchers have been exploring this question and have reached some really eye-opening conclusions. Uh, if you're sociable and action-oriented, your investment portfolio will look much different from someone who is neurotic and worry <laughs> worry prone. This is their words. I um, understand. No, there's a lot of people out there that walk the floors at night worrying about this stuff, and you know it's not. Uh, you're not alone. So this article is a great little primer on you know fitting your personality into your investing style and how the two uh, play off one another. Also, that might be a reason why you engage an investment professional to assist you with your investments because you wouldn't want your personality necessarily to impact your investment returns. Yeah, I mean, if you have a personality that's, uh, you know, you keep shooting yourself in the foot with investments, you may want to hand that off to professionals and take some of that off your plate. Exactly. And the next article is, do you have key estate planning documents at the ready? And, you know, if you've listened to us for any length of time, you know we've always been a stickler for making sure that your documents are in good order, uh, mainly your will, durable power of attorney, advanced medical directives. Um, life is unpredictable. Having these uh, documents at the ready and in good order will save a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration later. And as um, planners, we know that it's incredibly important to have a solid foundation set, and that doesn't mean value of assets. That really means that the assets that you've taken your lifetime to accumulate, you have created protections for them, and the proper distribution strategy and proper distribution means the one that your wishes reflect. And our last article, don't forget about credit when planning for retirement. You know, everyone... Uh, always thinks that you know I'm driving my final car that may not <laughs> that may not be the uh, may not be the case you may want to go out and get a new car you may have some home renovations that you want to finance rather than uh, pay for upfront and keeping your credit in good order will help you finance these things at a reasonable rate of interest rather than having to raid your retirement accounts or possibly finance these things at a uh, at a interest rate that isn't very agreeable we call it the coach's corner you can access it by logging onto our website jblfinancial.com click on the lower left hand side of the screen the pop-up box that appears that says sign up or you could take a look at the last six to twelve months that we've archived and archived in the contact us section it's just wonderful again um, we call it the coach's corner and we do want to remind everybody that all of our clients are folks like you there are listeners they're 55 and older, they would like to retire, or they're already retired, and we do create a game plan for them that have the goals of creating a fun and financially successful, and hopefully less worry, retirement. 
which is all good. And while we're waiting for your phone calls and texts at 314-931-5877 or 84126 from the text line, um, I thought it would be a good idea to jump into a good topic, one that uh, may be on top of mind for many folks. You know, the new year brings an opportunity to do a couple things. Number one is assess what happened last year. Uh, not only from a returns point of view, but also um, are you meeting your long-term goals? Um, has your situation changed where you need to reassess them? And in many cases, what folks are doing, and we know our clients are doing this also, is that they're thinking, do I have the right fit with the person I'm working with? And or if I'm not working with someone, is this really the time for me to consider engaging an advisor? And if nothing else, maybe this gives you an opportunity if you're working with someone to go back and kick the tires again and say, hey, are we philosophically on the right page? Um, are my assets being managed in a way that I want? And frankly, um, am I getting the completeness of the job that I want? And I thought uh, a good discussion, and we do this once or, once a year, is about what would be questions or maybe the four or five most important ones that I would be asking if I was a client. Uh, and interviewing a new advisor or even the old advisor. Dad, why don't you kick that off? <laughs> okay, I'd be very happy to do that. Um, I, I think question number one is um, I would be asking my, my advisor and or my prospective new advisor, could you please describe your ideal client? And this is just so important. Um, are you working with someone that really works with people like yourself? Because certainly you don't want to, you know, it's like anything else. If, you're, if you have a medical situation and your toe hurts, you're not going to go and see a thoracic surgeon, right? You want to try to couple someone that is thinking about the things that you are working in that area, specializing in that area to work with you. So I thought it would be a good idea for us, and honey, hopefully you'll help me with this, is to really describe what our ideal client profile is. Absolutely. So as many of you know, we work with individuals that are getting ready to retire or already retired. Uh, Dad, I think it's a great analogy to use physicians or the medical community as um, a, a simile for what financial advisors are like, which is that we all have different specialties and different areas of expertise, uh, like you described a thoracic surgeon versus a podiatrist versus a neurologist. Well, um, investment advisor representatives or financial planners often specialize themselves. Um, many specialize in the accumulation phase, which would be for individuals that are younger. They have started out in their careers. They are accumulating assets for retirement. Um, that requires a different set of skills than when I've always liked the analogy of climbing up the mountain when you're in the accumulation phase, and then really you're climbing down the mountain in the distribution phase. And that doesn't mean the liquidation of your assets. That just means the steady distribution of them over time with hopefully the goal of maintaining them. So Well, that, well and, and I was going to say also not just maintaining them uh, during your life, creating that income stream that you can live on, but also creating an effective strategy to pass those assets on gone, either to survivors uh, in terms of spouses and or to the next generation or churches or charities, whoever you might think, um, that you might want to benefit from those assets after your passing. 
Absolutely. But number one criteria, though, is let's be honest. We love to work with people that are nice. Well, our ultimate goal—well, our ultimate goal <laughs> is to work with people over a long period of time. We could have clients for thirty, maybe into the future, forty years, which means we're going to sit across from the table from you for three or four decades. So, not only do we want you to be comfortable with us, but we'd like to have a strong, comfortable relationship with you, and that oftentimes stems from. Uh, a nice personality. You could be retired longer than you were working, which is crazy when you think about it. But, I mean, not really because life expectancy is what it is and people are retiring or sometimes able to retire uh, earlier than ever before. So, I mean, you could have three decades of retirement that have to be planned for and have to be managed. It's great that you talked about um, not to veer off the topic too far, but uh, life expectancy. We've had a few clients that are in their upper 80s. Well, we have quite a few clients that have reached their upper 80s, even early 90s. And I was chatting with one of them a few weeks ago, and he talked about uh, the fact that he was now living on borrowed time because <laughs> he had reached you know, male life expectancy. But the reality is uh, life expectancy isn't a brick wall that you run into. Every day you're here, you're more likely to be here the next day. So just like you said, Rob, people can't imagine that they may be retired for longer than their working career. But for many people, that is a very distinct possibility, which means our relationship could be one of the longest that you have. And, you know, that the nature of the relationship changes because, you know, when you first retired, you worried about your income and, you know, are you going to be able to maintain the lifestyle that you've been accustomed to while you were working? You know, as you go through retirement, you know, your objectives could change. It could be like, you know, I'm looking at these assets and I'm looking at my grandkids and I want to be able to pass these on in an efficient manner. You know, how do we segue from, you know, I'm taking care of to now how do we get these assets to the people I love in an efficient manner? Exactly. Well, you know, I really appreciate, Rob, you, you making a comment about looking at grandkids because I'm hoping that will happen one of these days. Just walked right into that. Oh, I, I knew I was going into the buzzsaw, and I was happy to do it. <laughs> well, Taking uh, one uh, for the team. Yes, and and let and if I can clarify a little bit here because we like this. <laughs> Please. I honey, I, you know, we already talked about you having ten, and I would let you off for five, which is fine. Just but, a half a basketball team. Exactly. Um, when we talk about nice, I, I would say that most people would look and say, you know, I'm a nice person. Well, it, it really isn't a question about being nice. I think really what it comes down to is we like to work with folks that are happy with who they are. Um, if you're happy with your life, if you're meeting your own expectations, um, we find that emotionally you're going to be somebody that, if you do have the financial means, will be in a position where you can have a great retirement. Folks that aren't in that place, um, they have maybe they have family issues, uh, maybe they have serious health issues. Uh, you know, we're happy to work with them, but the truth is, is that they have a tougher time. So we like to go the easy way. Be happy with who you are, your relationships. If you're there, that's really one key, I think, fundamental thing to um, that we see in our ideal clients. Well, but there's really I think, two. Dad, you kind of almost you almost hit it perfectly, which is if you don't meet your own expectations, it's very difficult for us to meet your expectations. Yes, absolutely. And that's so really the, what the relationship is all about, us meeting each other's expectations. So that's number one, um, being nice, being happy with who you are in your relationships. The second one is um, someone that's ready to accept professional advice. You know, And, again, 
we do offer what's called a free coaching session. We love meeting with our listeners and those folks that are over Friends 55. And family of listeners too. And, and we do that as well. But at the end of the day, um, there are folks that want advice and there are folks that are actually ready to accept advice. So if you're a do-it-yourselfer, um, we're not a good fit for you. But if you're someone that really desires professional advice, they actually appreciate it. And um, they're in a position where when they accept it, they want to move forward with that. Um, those are the people we like to work with. And I guess um, the analogy that I have used over many years, and when I've said this to even other professionals, they tend to agree. But, you know, if you go to your physician, we're using doctors again as an easy example today. If you go to a physician, he diagnoses your situation and says, you know what, this is the course of action that we need to take. If you don't follow your physician's course of action, he's really not your doctor. So at the same time, um, we feel the same way. So well, we're really, we really want to work with folks that are actually ready, willing to, and are ready to implement professional advice. And again, this is a, just a great example because, you know, as we're working with you, there are things that are going to be our responsibility, and then there'll be things that are our client's responsibility, and for both of us to enact those responsibilities as how we get to where you want to go just the same way as if your doctor prescribes something to you if you take the medication hopefully you'll get where you want to go or you'll find that we need to try something else Um, and that's the same with advising clients on retirement planning and wealth management is we both have things that are going to be required of us and in order to get us both where we want to go we both have to maintain that responsibility Yes, and the third one is um, we find that our ideal client care more about someone or something than their money. And if if money is really your is really your driving force um, in working with someone, then frankly, we're probably not the right people. Um, as planners, we're really looking at the whole person, and that's who we treat—not just the whole person, but also the whole family. And that's, uh, you know, you hear us talk about this a lot, which is some decisions are not based on money. They are based on love and or a desire to help, which could be love, too. So um, we recognize that, and money is not always the ultimate goal, especially in retirement planning. Yeah, and finally, um, we, we, we like to, our ideal client is, a, is what we would call a financial delegator. They're engaging us to make their investment decisions. They're providing us with the tools, which is the money. And what we're doing is we're obviously creating the game plan. They're delegating the responsibility for making that plan work um, to us. So again, we don't we don't collaborate. We do we are collaborative with our clients, but we don't collaborate on investment decisions. We're the experts, and that's why you're paying us. And the truth is, is that if you're someone that, as I always, as one of the questions that we or things or statements we always make with new clients is we don't take toys away from boys. If mm-hmm. investing is something that you love to do and this is a something you want to take on and you're buying into the do-it-yourselfer um, philosophy, we think that's great. Have fun, but we're not going to let you pay us because um, we don't we don't collaborate in that way. 
And, you know, before we take our first break of the hour, we do have a couple of great text questions that have come in. Super. So let's, let's hit those. Let's, let's do that. And our first text writes, I am a 62-year-old male on VA health care. Is there any way I can switch to Medicare? Yes. But unfortunately, you're going to have to wait three years. <laughs> unless unless you um, are disabled and on Social Security disability benefits and you have been for 24 months, then you would qualify for Medicare before 65 years old. But if you um, do not qualify in that way at 65, not only can you switch to Medicare, but you can maintain your VA benefit. So you'll be able to have both if you'd like, which for most people we find, you know, VA benefits often have excellent prescription drug benefits inside of them, but maybe the physicians are limited and you'd like to be able to widen that network and widen your additional benefits like we often talk about with Medicare Advantage plans, those opportunities will be open to you when you qualify for Medicare. You don't have to give over your VA benefits. You get to keep those two. Okay. And our next texter writes, with current mortgage rates what they are, what are your thoughts on someone in their mid-30s putting down 200000 on a house to reduce their mortgage time to five to seven years, or putting the money in the stock market to grow over the years. Hmm. I think there's a few things we probably need to know, which is putting 200000 into the house, what does that do to your current liquidity would be important. So how much of uh, that 200000 does that represent your overall liquidity and is access? That, right. Is that everything? Is there a small reserve for a vault in case, mm-hmm. you know, what if the new house needs some work? What if your car goes out? I mean, uh, have we game-planned the emergency fund? Right. And, you know, I mean, I don't think it's a, a bad strategy per se as long as you, again, aren't uh, cutting your nose off despite your face and you're still able to fund your retirement accounts at least to your employer match and you have some emergency funds set to the side, I don't think it's a bad strategy. Well, then the other thing that I would also ask is, is this the forever house or at least the moderate long-term house? It's going to be there 20 years or so. Right, because why tie up your liquidity in something that you may decide you're going to be pulling the money right back out relatively soon? You may say, I'll maintain the liquidity um in exchange for a slightly higher payment or in exchange for a slightly longer mortgage. And the great thing about mortgages, uh, at least home mortgages now, is very few of them, if any, have early repayment penalties. So that means you can do a little bit of both. Uh, You could increase the monthly payment from the minimum, meaning you can pay more towards principal than the minimum payment and still reduce the amortization of your mortgage naturally um, over time and also get to maintain that liquidity. So you do have options here. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. But I think there's a few important questions you want to ask yourself before just dumping the 200000 into the house, which is it's fabulous. But I think the way the question is framed, I think it's more of a... Uh a concern of sunsetting debt. Sure. You know, which isn't, you know, it's never a bad thing to clear the decks uh, in a debt, uh, in your debt situation. But like I said, as long as you have your emergency fund and all your other ducks in a row, and as Aaron said, you're going to be there for a substantial amount of time. Doesn't seem like a bad plan. Dad, what are your thoughts? Um, the only thing running through my mind, um, again, isn't, again, not repeating what you said, but I w- my question would be is if you make such a significant down payment 
will you be able to take advantage of you know the interest and a real estate taxes in terms of itemizing your deductions what i might try to do maybe is to stretch that time out just a little bit assuming a as rob said your liquidity bucket is full so that you don't have to go in and borrow or take a home equity line to get the money back out and number two is um can you take advantage of and or bifurcate the, the time period um by maybe putting a little bit less down, can you itemize your deductions? And that would be something I would, I would certainly look at. And I think that there's also this philosophical question that a lot of people have over time, which is, is the interest more expensive than what I could potentially earn in the market? And I would say that, at least as from an advisor's perspective, we don't want to compare something fixed, which is your interest rate that you are paying to the bank, versus something that is variable which is your investment returns there's no guarantee of returns whereas there's a guarantee that you owe your mortgage interest every single month i think that's a lot of uh young men dreams to you know you be in, right in your you know your uh 41 37 and the house is paid off or you see the light at the end of the tunnel where you're like you know what i just have to worry about taxes now <laughs> Taxes and insurance, and and you see that light, and you're you know you're just swimming towards it. So I could definitely understand and put wrap my mind around the the sentiment that the question is touching on. Yep. Well, and I guess the the other thing is, is sort of like as as we find with our clients that are retirement age, where they're saying that the last car we often hear this that this is the last car I'm going to purchase because they think they're going to die in you know three years, which is never. <laughs> Uh, the same thing really can be said, and it's hard, to, especially when you're in your 30s, to see forward that in most cases, this home that you're purchasing probably isn't the last home you're going to purchase if your family size changes. Uh, you could have a change in terms of geography where your work is. Uh, I think, again, the, the desire to have a a home which is basically you're not borrowing money from the bank to deal with is a smart thing to do, but uh, you're in your 30s, so I don't think I'd rush it. You know, let's let's try to be as efficient as we can. At the same time, you know, taking the money and investing in the market is something that we could never recommend because, A, number one, the SEC doesn't let us. But number two is my, you know, what I'm wondering here is, as Rob was kind of alluding to, can I then maybe increase my 401k contributions? Okay, can I do that and get and actually save some taxes? Or am I stretched to the limit? Um, this is a good situation where, frankly, um, you got to sit down and get a second opinion, whoever our texter is. Uh, get some perspective. Let a financial professional get a little more information about you so that uh, the picture, I mean, honestly, it's sort of like when we went to, if you remember, when we went to Rome, we went to see all these, you know, all these buildings and paintings, et cetera, and how you could actually see what was there because they were able to uncover, take the dirt off. Once we take the dust off of your situation, um, I think the answers become very clear. That is a great point. Um, I think we should take our first break of the hour. When we get back, we've got another few text questions on deck, so please keep them coming. 84126 on the text line or 314-931-5877. We'd love to hear your voice this morning. We'll be right back after a few messages.
Hey, it's Heidi, and I feel very lucky to love where I live. And I know Lauren Risley feels the same. And her team at Lauren Risley Realty wants you to experience that same great feeling. One of their mottos at Lauren Risley Realty is love where you live or move. Dream homes are their specialty. Actually, they do a lot of things right because... When you buy or sell a home, it's not just a transaction. What the Lauren Risley team does is build relationships, and I've seen that firsthand. So if you have plans to buy, sell, invest, or just have a question about any of it, call Lauren Risley Realty, 314-775-0684. That's 314-775-0684. You can also email Lauren at hello at Lauren Risley Realty. Catholic Fraternal Life has been providing you with financially sound and secure products since 1884. And now, they're excited to tell you about their new interest rates. Flexible premium annuity rates are 6.5% for the first year. And single premium rates are 6% for the first year. Live a richer life through financial stability and fraternalism with Catholic Fraternal Life. Call 800-240-2554 or visit cflife.org. What makes SWIC your first choice? Is it our affordable tuition, convenient locations, and online classes? Or the 150-plus degrees and certificates in business, fine arts, health science, technical education, and more? Whatever it is, Southwestern Illinois College can train you for an exciting career or help you prepare for a university. Visit SWIC.edu, take a tour, and enroll today. The dead of winter might sound like the worst time to do tree pruning. But Raised Tree Service reminds you that there are advantages to pruning in the winter. Right now, your trees and shrubs are dormant, which allows the professionals at Raised to remove those dead and weak branches and get your trees and shrubs ready for a healthy spring and summer. For your free money-saving winter quote, call 314-821-2665 or visit RaisedTreeService.com. That's Raised Tree service.com. Jackson Hewitt has a plan to get your tax refund fast with a buck buck here, a buck buck there. Here a buck, there a buck, everywhere a buck buck. You don't have to wait weeks for your tax refund. Get money sooner with a no-fee refund advance loan at Jackson Hewitt. On this loan, there's a money today guarantee. E-I-E-I-D-O. Don't settle for chicken feed. Get fast bucks at Jackson Hewitt today. No-fee refund advance loans by Republic Bank offered to eligible clients. Money today guarantee if approved for a loan on a prepaid card. Details at jacksonhewitt.com. This is Jeff Lapidus, the retirement coach. Wouldn't it be great to have a game plan, a real strategy, so that no matter what was going on in the stock market, the economy, or the world, that you could be confident about your retirement? Wouldn't that be great? If you're within five years of retirement, call me today at 314-863-0008. That's 314-863-0008. Or send me an email, jeff at jblfinancial.com to arrange your free coaching session. Let's get started on your retirement game plan today. Let's talk about smart choices for your money. It's Straight Talk and Retirement on the Big 550 KTRS. Here are your retirement coaches, Jeff and Aaron Lapidus. Well, welcome back to the show. It's 936 here on the Big 550 KTRS. This is Straight Talk on Retirement. I'm Jeff Lapidus, the retirement coach. I'm Aaron Lapidus, the retirement coach. And I'm Robert Markham, your life insurance and fixed annuity sales specialist. 
you know, it was kind of fun during the last, uh, during the last segment, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, our ideal client profile. And, and w- I guess what came to mind, one of the things that came to mind during the break while I was enjoying Hawaiian punch, don't tell your mother. Um, Hawaiian is, punch, like stop mocking us here. That is zero the, degrees. That is the sugariest drink you can ever have. I think that, I mean, it's just straight sugar. <laughs> heaven, my boy, heaven. But in either case, you know, what I was thinking was, is that, you know, 18 or so years ago when I started on the air, our listeners, and frankly, that's who all our clients are, are our listeners and their, their friends and families, you know, they would come to me and, and in many cases they'd say, well, Jeff, you know, how long are you going to be here? And what's your succession plan? And I think that's something that's really important for many folks, which is, will my advisor be there? Um, who's going to pick up the... You're going to pick up the slack when I'm gone. Well, I'm kind of fortunate because I'm usually, even though I'm in California at this moment, usually sitting right next to them in the station, and it's just wonderful to have that continuity. And uh, I'll be here hopefully for another 10 to 15 years, but the two of them, they're going to be here for a long time, which is great. So having that continuity um, over long periods of time um, is, can be extremely important not only for your family, but it also gives you an opportunity when you think about it to do intergenerational planning. And that's something that we're doing a lot, which is coordinating not only the parents' estates with their children, and in many cases with their grandchildren. And how much fun is that? You know, when you really think about having your money be able to live you and how it can really can be effectively distributed over multiple generations, I mean, as a planner, that's a dream, the, the ability to do that and plan for that in advance and letting our clients know that. They'll have that peace of mind that things will happen, and they'll work just the way that they want. And I, I think what's so important about this is that our generation, i.e. the baby boomers, which I'm a member, um, we're truly the first generation that has money. Um, 401k plans, IRA plans, Roth IRA plans, uh have really created and really forced us to look at savings, to look at long-term savings and begin to accumulate wealth. And so planning for that wealth to distribute is something that, frankly, um, I wasn't prepared to honestly think about even 40 years ago when I began my career. And these are things that we didn't talk to clients about. But I think at the end of the day, and I, I know I've tried to preach this to my daughter, and I know that she's she and Rob, my son-in-law, also have taken this into fact is that at the end of the day, this can maybe be the most important work that we can do for our clients, the most important. And that's, what's fun about the show. And and frankly, um, you know, we're seeing folks every day, uh, new folks in doing this and it's just a blast. And of course you're our listeners. And so we want to thank you. All right. And we've got some great text on deck and let's get to our next one our next texter writes at rmd time required minimum distribution time is it a good option to put some or all of the distribution in cds now i'm going to assume by the uh by the tenor of the question that you're not consuming your rmd uh, that you don't need it to live on um i don't think it's a bad idea i mean some combination of cds a short term um and or a high-yielding savings account if you want the uh, liquidity, op- you know, you want the unlimited uh, liquidity. Sounds like a decent idea. I mean, just as long as your other liquidity needs are, are being met. 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't stand in the way of that. I mean, CDs actually pay some interest now, which is nice. I saw one with five and a half percent. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's a far cry from where we were just like 18 months ago. Absolutely, and I, I think it's also important to look at your portfolio's balance. You know, you are taking a distribution from. Oh, go ahead, Dad. Oh, you're taking your distribution from potentially an investment account um, by adding CDs to your portfolio. Are you still maintaining the balance that you'd like? Did you have anything to add there, Dad? I guess not. Let's move on to the next text question. And our next texter writes, everything I read today says to plan on using about 4% of your retirement per year to maintain a balance and leave money behind for your heirs. Does that percentage change for someone who has no family? I'm single and have no family. I want to enjoy as much money as I can when I retire. I feel you. <laughs> well, this is true that we do like to use the 4% rate of withdrawal rule because the ultimate goal is to live off the interest and the earnings of your capital and not eat away at the principal. Because we don't know how long you're going to live. I was, you know, I was going to say it a little differently, which is we'd be far more successful if we knew the day everyone was going to pass away. Oh, and my we God. could just divide out by the months, and you could take your as ma the maximum amount of income. But the real variable in retirement planning is how long you're going to be here. So using a prudent rate of withdrawal will ensure that you do not outlast your money. It's not necessarily only about being able to pass that money on to benefactors. It's about being able to maintain your lifestyle regardless of how long you're with us. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Nothing more to add to that? <laughs> well, not, well, not really. I mean, what's interesting is and something that we don't really plan for, but um, we have found that as our clients age, Generally, what happens is, especially as they get into the late 70s and early 80s, is that their consumption patterns tend to reduce. Sure. Um, they're not eating as much. They're not traveling as much. Many of them are getting into grandma and grandpa time, which means that they're sticking there. Some are in greater great-grandma great grandpa time. Uh, sometimes there are health issues that preclude uh, mobility and I guess you want to call it movement. And so... Having a prudent rate of withdrawal in the younger years puts you in a position, I think, where you have some more options as you get older. You can become more charitable. You can begin to do gifting. Um, but the problem, as Aaron said, I think very well, is that the concept of dying broke is nice, but we, this is not something that um, we ever buy into because we don't know the date of your death. Uh, we don't know what market conditions will be one day, three months, six months, 12 months, 24 months before your death and how that will affect your portfolio. So we want to preserve, protect, and prudently grow and then obviously deliver the income that you need when you need it. And the best, and the other side is, is that I think you have an opportunity maybe to do some distribution planning um, that's a little different than other folks because you don't have folks that are currently relying on that and maybe your distribution options are a little bit different when it comes to charitable interests um, down the road. So that's kind of cool. That's a great point. And we have one more texter, and our texter writes, I am considering taking an early retirement offer at work. After my six-month severance package runs out, I will need to begin receiving income from my retirement assets. 
could you and Aaron describe the process for planning for cash needs for income with clients? That's a good one. <laughs> well, I think I think it really comes down to honey, and I know you're going to take you're going to take this and run with it, but you know what it comes down to is really truly identifying how much cash flow you need to maintain your lifestyle. And we have a process that we do that. That's right. So the first and most important thing, and this would be true for anyone that's looking at retirement, not just if you're taking early retirement and looking at, you know, potential severance, which will extend your income without having to work, which is great. Um, First, we're going to figure out, you know, how much are you spending on a monthly basis? For some people, uh, many of our engineering clients, I find, they've got this number pinpointed down to how much it costs to groom the dog every month, things like that. So they've got a real firm grasp on their spending for other people. And I just had this conversation last week which with, with clients that were looking to retire relatively soon. We don't really think about it because the money keeps coming in while we're working. We just spend what we want and, you know, we never see the bank account decrease. You know, we never see the bank account go negative, so we know we're okay. Well, there's a real simple way to figure out how much you're spending every month if you don't have it down to the penny. Just take a look at what's de- deposited into your bank account every month. That's going to be net of taxes. It's going to be net of your health insurance. It's going to be net of your contributions to retirement plans. That's really the dollar amount that you're living off of. If you're able to save above and beyond that, we, we can always factor that in later. But the easiest, most general number to use is your net income on a monthly basis. Then we'll take a look at what are your inflows that are going to be fixed so that could be social security if you happen to be old enough a pension right a pension early retirement could mean 62 or it could mean 50 so we're not we can't exactly use this uh, formula to the t for our texter but you know calculate what your fixed income flows are going to be it could also be rental income that you feel is reliable um, if you decide to work part-time if you know that that's going to be reliable income you're going to subtract that from your net pay, and then we'll know what the deficit is. The other thing that I forgot to mention is we're going to have to gross that net number back up for taxes because we already had taxes withheld from your paycheck. You did that through your payroll. So you take your net income, gross it up for taxes, which we usually use about 15%, subtract out those fixed income sources. If you don't have any fixed income sources for a certain amount of time, we're going to want to factor that into the long-term strategy, which is how long are we going to go without taking Social Security? How long are we going to go until you're eligible or you want to elect a pension benefit if you have that available to you? And we'll have to factor in those years as part of your income strategy over the long term. So in our texters, uh example, like just say she had to fund uh, a couple of years before her fixed income in the form of Social Security came on, that would be a planning, you know, how exactly are we going to fund your spending limits until we get to those faucets and turning them on? That's where the fun stuff comes in. Well, from a planning perspective, Rob, I would certainly agree. Um, I think the I, I think Aaron's done a, a very good job in describing the process. At the end of the day, as I like to say, it's an algebra problem. And so once we have been able to establish what your algebra is, uh, then the next part of the process then is we basically divide your assets. How much do we need in terms of what is the milk money? 
the capital that we need using a prudent way to withdraw to meet that income need. What assets have we set aside um, for our emergency fund? And then, frankly, if you have other assets, which we hope you do, that's the fund money, which we means we can use it for either projects or we can use it for growth, um, either one. And that's, um, that's what we do in every single coaching session. It's just a lot of fun for us. And I think that it's fair for me to say, and clients, uh, we're not going to ask people to, to weigh in and go, yay, it's true. But um, at the end of the day, every single person that's ever walked out of our offices leaves with a lot more clarity than they came with. Because what we do is we create this actual algebra problem in front of them on our electronic whiteboard. It becomes the basis for the game plan. And then what we'd like to do, it like as I like to think of, is if you decide to engage with us, then we're just filling in and we're walking down the yellow brick road together. And it's great. And we have one more text question before we take our next, well, I think we're going to take our next break. So don't touch that dial. We'll be back with more straight talk on retirement after these messages. Hey, what's that? It's my new Yeti cocktail shaker. It matches my ice bucket and my drinkware. Ooh, Yeti makes the coolest stuff. Yeah, they do. And I got it all at Schnars. Frank Blair from Schnars Hardware here. Are you looking to give a gift that your loved one can use year-round? Then give the gift of the best gear with Yeti products found at Schnars Hardware. We have a wide selection of hard and soft coolers, insulated drinkware, waterproof and everyday bags, other outdoor gear and accessories. Every Yeti performs when it matters most, whether it be commuting, hiking, boating, hunting, camping, or just getting together with friends in the backyard. Find the right Yeti for you at Schnars. For hours, locations, or to shop online, go to schnars.com. Because gifting is easy when you start at Schnars. No better place and no better time to start saving than Neighbors Credit Union. You'll find great rates and flexible terms at Neighbors. You'll also find terrific CD specials. Best of all, your savings are safe, secure, and insured at Neighbors Credit Union, up to $500,000 per individual member. It's super easy to open up account at Neighbors Credit Union. Stop by one of their eight area branches or visit the website, neighborscu.org. That's neighborscu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Additional insurance by ESI. The official birthplace of the toasted ravioli is... Mama's on the Hill. And Mama's on the Hill serves the best in town. Mama's has been a mainstay on the Hill for decades and is still a family-run restaurant serving up great Italian food in a fun atmosphere. Open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. And right in the heart of the hill at Edwards and Bischoff. Delicious catering and party rooms, too. Mama's on the hill! Make reservations at 314-776-3100 and 24-7 at mamasonthehill.com. That weekend trip or holiday getaway is all just a short flight away. The adventure begins at Mid-America St. Louis Airport. Direct flights to seven different Florida locations. Orlando, Tampa St. Pete, Sarasota, Jacksonville, Destin, Fort Lauderdale, as well as Fort Myers. Allegiant Airlines is your ticket to warmer weather and some family fun. Mid-America, St. Louis Airport in Mascouda, Illinois, an award-winning, nationally recognized airport. So get online and book that trip at flymidamerica.com. I'm Jennifer Blom, and like a lot of you, I have anxiety about going to the dentist. I was so happy when I found Baldwin Dental Care. Dr. Kimberly Simons is the owner, and she and her staff understand what it's like to be a patient. 
There's a new patient special right now, a comprehensive exam, a cleaning, four x-rays, and an oral cancer screening for $99 or a $100 credit on your account. Ball and Dental Care in the old Johnny Mac Sporting Goods Store on Manchester Road. Just Google Ball and Dental Care and tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you. This is Aaron Lapidus, the retirement coach. Wouldn't it be great to have a game plan, a real strategy, so that no matter what was going on in the stock market, the economy, or the world, you could be confident about your retirement? Wouldn't that be great? If you're within five years of retirement, call me today at 314-863-0008. That's 314-863-0008. Or send me an email at Aaron at JBL financial.com to arrange your free coaching session let's get started on your retirement game plan today now back to straight talk on retirement on the big 550 ktrs here are jeff and aaron lapidus sorry i just love the music what can i tell you well we're well we're back for our last segment here on hour number one hour number two we're going to be joined by our Medicare specialist, Frank Ellis, in the house, I believe, today. That's right. And, and that'll be fun. And so I did receive a text, uh, honey. I don't get too many of them because I, my phone number is pretty secret. But uh, I did receive a text. The question was, um, I have a financial advisor. He does a pretty good job for us. How are you guys different? And I would say that if you have a financial advisor you're happy with, um, that's great. How are we different than other folks? Um, I think it's kind of clear. Kind of clear. I hope that it's clear. Um, this is a family thing for us. Um, so that means once you join us, you're stuck with us. Th- exactly. And what happens is um, it's our family helping your family. And if that's the type of treatment you want as compared to something that's a little more, I don't know what the word is, antiseptic. Or- Less personal less personal, um, we're not for you. But if you're looking for somebody that's going to have a team, which is great, we have a very, we have a very good team um, of folks to work with you, um, you join our community. And that's, uh, and that's really fun. And fortunately, over the years, we've had many folks that have joined us. And um, they're all our listeners. They're folks that are just like you. And everybody gets maximum effort and that's i think the big deal and i think we're going to wrap up this hour with a quick rmd uh required minimum distribution conversation because we had two texts in a row about the pretty much the same thing we've awoken the sleeping giant mr rmd (laughs) and our next texter writes where do the rmd percentages rates rates start and how do they advance well this is we equate your required minimum distribution with a percentage amount but the reality is is that your required minimum distribution is essentially calculated over a period of years based on your life expectancy so the first thing that you're going to want to do if you are required minimum distribution eligible is take a look at the account balances of all of your qualified accounts so your ira accounts or if you still have 401k your 401k accounts your sep accounts anything that was pre-tax what the balance was on December 31st. Then 
If you are 73 years old, you're going to divide that number by your distribution period, which at 73, it's 24.7 years, and that works out to just about 4%. You can take a look at the IRS uniform table, which will tell you, depending upon your age, what your life expectancy is, which is how much you'll have to divide your account balances Every single year from December 31st, that number is going to adjust. So you'll see a difference in your required minimum distribution in two ways. First, your account balances are not going to be identical over December 31st of one year to the next. And secondly, that your life expectancy decreases over time, meaning the percentage that you will have to take will slowly increase over time. So you're on an escalator in... in, uh in actuality. Yes, so exactly. So if, if you begin your RMDs and you're slightly under 4%, you've been taking RMDs for 10, I mean, my dad's been taking them now for a long time, about like <laughs> well over a decade and a half. And he's his, I think his percentage, he was told me the other day, is over 8%. You know, but okay, so then again, you get close to 90, you're close to 8%. Yeah, but, he's... Uh, the, the most... The most exact way to take a look is to look at the uniform table that the IRS publishes for you every year. So our our next text question was... Our next texter writes, what is the current RMD rate and is it possible it could go up in the next five years? So I think we've kind of answered that, but in addition to that, we've seen adjustments to the required minimum distribution age over the last several years. You know, three years ago, we started out at 70 and a half. And now we are up to 73 as the first year you are required to take. Uh, I going to 75. Exactly. Going to 75 in the next few years. That all Now, Congress can manipulate the required minimum distribution in two ways. One, they can increase the age in which you are required to – when you are required to begin taking it. And two, they could adjust the life expectancy table, which would, in effect, impact the percentage that you have to take on an annual basis. Or they could, or they could change the rate, and uh, as Aaron was saying, and it certainly isn't unreasonable to assume that if we consider to run the type of deficits that we are, that um, this table rate could change. Easy way for Uncle Sam to get money out of us quicker just like they did with um, the inherited IRAs. Yeah, right, and so I'm kind of taking a look at the table, the uniform table right now, and it's basically about a percent or less per year is what the variation is. So, for example, at 73, 27.4 is the life expectancy. At 74, 26.5, so just under one-year difference. Yes, and, and again, what's nice also is you do have an opportunity to affect those rates in a couple of different ways, um, and especially when it comes to uh, distributions, whether it's through doing Roth conversions before you start, or possibly um, be making donations. Use, exactly, charitable donations um, over that time period. But do us a favor. We have a, we're going to be open for your calls and your texts in this next hour. 314-931-5877 or 84126 from text line. Don't touch. We'll be right back after these messages. Let's talk about smart choices for your money. It's Straight Talk and Retirement on the Big 550 KTRS. Here are your retirement coaches, Jeff and Aaron Lapidus. 
Well, welcome back to Straight Talk on Retirement. We're headed into hour number two, and we're going to kick off this hour with Frank Ellis, our Medicare coach. How Good you morning. Good morning, Frank. Great to see you. Now, I know everyone is frozen out there because it's like what negative 40 wind chill or something um something really really cold something really cold but we've got a great topic for everyone this morning because i know that this is a question that comes up for quite a few people especially in the cold months of missouri they want to head somewhere warmer and they want to know how does my medicare advantage plan how is it impacted by uh travel that's right that's right absolutely i get so many questions about, you know, can I take my plan with me? Um, will it work if I am in another state visiting another grandkid um, or or my own kid? How is this plan going to work with me when I'm out of town? So I actually have a, a, a pretty good story today about a, a gentleman that um, gave me a call that I ended up working with um, and had to do a lot of uh, background research and 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 helping this gentleman out and and i myself too actually learned a little bit more about these medicare advantage plans in the process so and that's great i just want to add that this is one of the services that we provide to every single person that we work with which is we're not just a point of service you're not just purchasing your medicare advantage or your supplement whatever you choose through frank he's going to be there to help you when things don't go exactly as planned or we need to get them back to going exactly as they were planned that's right that's right so i got an interesting call from a gentleman named mark okay he called me and said he received an astronomical bill from the insurance company for what to appear for what appeared to be an out-of-network charge so we all know with these Medicare Advantage plans, um, you have options to go in-network, and then you also have options to choose a plan that will let you go in and out of network. So that would be the difference between an HMO that's only got in-network benefits and a PPO that has uh, the opportunity for you to use out-of-network benefits, right? That is absolutely right. All right. So in this particular situation, Mark was on an HMO. So okay. his plan basically says that he has to um, use in-network doctors only, okay, except for in the times where he's traveling, which we're going to get to. Gotcha. So, so Mark gives me this call. Um, he he's very um, he's very distraught. <laughs> nonetheless, yes, very distraught about this bill. Um, so I asked him about his story. I asked him what happened, Mark. How did you receive this bill? What's going on? Let's talk about it. So in June, Mark went on a hike in the Smoky Mountains National Park, okay, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Mark is a fairly experienced hiker. Um, he told me about some hikes that he's done that he's done on on all sorts of different terrains, all different weather conditions. Um, he usually liked hiking more easier and shorter trails, uh, but on this particular day, Mark decided to take on a very long, experienced trail. He wanted to do an 11-mile hike up a mountain through Gatlinburg. Oh, let, well, I'm really glad that he had Medicare. That's right. 11-mile <laughs> hike. All right. So our retirees are on the move. That's right. That's right. So Mike, you know, being an experienced hiker that he is, he, he gathered all his gear um, and everything the night before he was getting ready to go on his hike. Um, and that night before it, actually, there was a bad storm that came through. Now, the next morning when Mike woke up, he said that it was just perfect weather, just beautiful mm -hmm. weather outside. It was perfect hiking weather. The only problem is, is that 
I don't know if you've ever been to, if you've ever been hiking through uh, the Smoky Mountains. I have a couple of times. But it can get really, really muddy. The terrain can be very, very difficult uh, to tread through once it storms or something and the, and the terrain becomes wet uh, and, and, and icky. Okay. So Mark, he's going through the motions of his hike, okay, and, and he successfully makes it uh, the first 5.5 miles up the hike, up the mountain, okay? Um, he, he's looking out, panoramic views everywhere, just beautiful scenery, just taking everything in. On the way back down the mountain, okay, this is where the issues <laughs> The issues start. arose, okay. <laughs> yes. So on the way back down the mountain, everything is going fine. He's got, you know, 5.5 miles up, 5.5 miles down. That's a total of 11 miles. So since he was not used to doing a more advanced hike, he kind of became a little bit sluggish. And he said, Frank, I think I just became lazy as I started walking down the mountain, not really like planting his feet into the mud, into the dirt, but just kind of, you know, just kind of skipping along through it. Got ya. You know? So what happened is Mark ended up taking a bad fall, a really, really bad fall. And he ended up, um, after he went to the doctor, he ended up having a fractured hip. Oh my gosh. And he's not, he's not in St. Louis. He is in Tennessee. That's right. That's right. He is in Tennessee in the mountains. With a fractured hip, with still about two and a half miles to go until he can get to his car. Now, I don't know if, you know, a lot of folks have have fractured their hips or had any hip problems, but it is very difficult to to even walk with a fractured hip. Right. And and in some cases, you, you can't walk. So we're talking about, you know, Mark is a pretty strong guy to be two and a half miles away from his car with a fractured hip. But luckily, of course, there were other hikers on that same course that were able to help him get to his car uh, before he could call his wife, who was actually um, in town in one of the little towns of Gatlinburg uh, Mm -hmm. at a shopping center with a friend of hers. So they ended up picking Mark up at the bottom of this mountain and driving him directly to the ER right Mm -hmm. away. Okay. Once Mark got to the ER, it was confirmed through the x-ray that it was a fractured hip. They didn't need an MRI. Um, or anything like that, because they could tell with an x-ray, there's the break. It was real fractured. <laughs> there's the break, exactly. So this is something that requires prompt surgery, okay? So a couple of days later, they're still in Tennessee. Marcus under the operating table having surgery on his hip. So first he has to go through the trauma of getting from where he fell to the car. <laughs> then he finds out he has a broken hip. He has the surgery. And then what? And, and and this is something that I've actually heard people do. Um, not not often, but I have heard these stories a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So so for Mark, once he was in the hospital, typically something like that, you're going to be in the hospital at least two days, Got maybe you. three, maybe four, just depending. So he was in there for two days, okay, um, and he gave him his Medicare Advantage plan, of course. Got you. Okay. And... When he got back home several months later, and this is the reason why he called me, said he got a $30,000 bill in the mail. I don't know which is more traumatic, the fall or the bill. I know, yes. <laughs> Very much so. I would probably say that $30,000 bill put him in more shock because he had at least he had a little of adrenaline while he was on a mountain and he fell. God, okay. <laughs> so complete shock about this $30,000 bill. Right, so he gives you a call. So he gives me a call, 
um, he he called the insurance company actually, and and um, he could not get past. There were some things with the insurance company. There were language barriers um, and and things like that. Folks really didn't know what they were really talking about. They didn't want to dig to find out what was going on. Um, so he should have just called me in the first place. Sure, and I find this to be the case very frequently, which is with health insurance, if you were looking at your plan, all the words are in English, but they don't necessarily mean what you think they mean. And when you call the insurance company and you get a customer service rep, they're on a recorded line, you ask a question, they have a very specific answer they're allowed to give you. So unless you know exactly what you're trying to ask, which, my goodness, you're not you're not an expert in this, you spent your Mark's an expert hiker. He is not an expert in his health insurance. Right. You know, if he doesn't ask the right question, he's not going to get the right answer. So that's really why working with someone like Frank, who is an expert in health insurance, he heard Mark's story and was like, okay, let me do some digging. Mm-hmm. I knew right away that something was wrong because in in these Medicare Advantage programs, you have what's called built-in emergency care and urgent care nationwide. This is already built in, packaged in your plan, just like your drug plan is already built in into your Medicare Advantage plan. Emergency care and urgent care is also nationwide. And so that you don't have to choose a specific Medicare Advantage plan in order to get this benefit. It is a base benefit built into every single Medicare Advantage plan. Doesn't matter if it's an HMO or a PPO with United like Mark was or with no, like other people are. That's or right. Any other plan. So as I'm sitting here talking to Mark and, and looking at this astronomical $30,000 bill um, that he got from this this hospital facility in, in Tennessee, I noticed that right away it said out of network. So That can't be right. That could not be right. I knew in my head that that could not be right because this would qualify as an emergency situation. Right, he has a broken bone. That's right. So it should never be... Um, out of network, no matter where you are domestically, something like that will always be covered as an emergency for in-network. And it doesn't necessarily have to be as traumatic as a broken hip. That's right. You could have a broken arm. Uh, that's still pretty traumatic. <laughs> but, I mean, there are lower levels of what would be considered emergent or urgent care that do not necessarily mean you have to go under the knife in order to get services considered in-network, right? That's right. Got you. So what I did, part of my job, is to is to put the pieces of this puzzle together. What's going on? How did they come up with thirty thousand dollars? There's no way it should be this much. It's, in in my eyes, this should be you know a thousand bucks or less um, for something like this. So I immediately get on the phone with the insurance billing department. Um, <clears throat> good thing for me, I can go through the broker side, so sometimes I'm able to get answers a little bit faster than people if they're you know turn that card around and they call customer service. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. I'm on the phone with with uh, with United Healthcare, and I'm asking them, "Hey, are you seeing this? Like I'm seeing this? Does this look like it's an out of network charge? Should it be an out of network charge?" Uh, and and basically, United they told me the right information. They they said that if it's not, it needs to get rebuilt. Of course, okay. And they can't do that. That's right. right. That's right. That's not the insurance's job is is to is to rebuild the hospital facility needs to rebuild. And that is and that is absolutely fine, and that is absolutely fair. Now, in these insurance plans, okay, since you do get ER protection and urgent protection nationwide, it shouldn't be an issue having these hospitals 
bill as such, bill it as an emergency in-network. And the way that it became emergency in-network was Mark was admitted to the hospital through the ER, correct? That's correct. That is correct. He didn't go see the orthopedic surgeon on a whim after his hike where the horrible fall didn't happen. He was like, my (laughs) hip's a little sore. Will you take a look? And then he had surgery. He had a broken hip, went to the ER. The hospital admitted him through the ER. That is correct. So... I call the hospital, the billing department, um, get a get a very nice lady on the line, um, and we're talking, and, and I have Mark and the insurance in front of me. Um, very, very nice people. They ended up rebilling the insurance company as in-network, mm-hmm. and Mark only paid, because we know in these Medicare Advantage plans, you're, you're only making co-pays. That right. is correct. You're going to pay a little bit. It's going to be a co-pay of some sort. So Mark only paid for his inpatient hospital stay. And the x-ray, okay? Um, the x-ray was about $15, and the inpatient hospital stay for two days was $300 a day, so that would be $600. So his bill went from $30,000 to $615. To $615. And to add to that, that six fifteen went towards his out-of-pocket maximum, right? That is right. That is right. That six fifteen goes directly towards his maximum out-of-pocket for the year, with no issues. Now, what I kind of learned throughout this process, because there was another piece of this puzzle that um, I guess the the hospital facility did not relay to the insurance company. Mm-hmm. When it comes to these emergencies, okay, it does have to be considered medically necessary, of course. Right. Okay. So let's talk about what an actual medical emergency is for our folks out there that do a lot of traveling, um, and they know, you know, they maybe have a potential to use this plan somewhere, whether it be emergency or whether it be urgent care or whether it be a part of the new national network. Okay. So an emergency, so a medical emergency, okay, this is defined, this is directly out of the book here. It's defined as a medical professional believes you have a medical symptom that requires immediate medical attention to prevent loss of life, loss of a limb, or loss of serious or loss of a serious impairment to a bodily function. So that's a pretty broad definition because I know I've worked with people in the past where they have flu-like symptoms, they go to the urgent care, urgent care says, no, this looks like mm-hmm. pneumonia, you need to go to the ER. Those are that All of that would be considered in-network if you're here in St. Louis or if you're down in Florida, something along those lines. That's right, because that would be considered medically necessary, absolutely. Got you. So the medical symptoms of these may be an illness, an injury, severe pain, which I'm sure Mark was going through, (laughs) was going through some severe pain, or a medical condition that is quickly getting worse. And and something like a hip fracture can quickly, quickly go downhill and get worse. And like we're talking about, you know, we're talking about a pretty extreme example, but if we're talking about the flu, pneumonia, strep throat, all of those things, if they go untreated, they're going to get worse. So that means this definition is relatively broad, and I know in general. So, for example, if you had gone through the process with Mark and the insurance company was still giving a fight about, is this really in-network? Did he really need to go to the ER? Medicare generally sides with the enrollee in terms of meeting this definition. So you'll have additional protection. You know, if Frank isn't successful fighting with the insurance company, we can always take it to Medicare and say, hey, this should really be in network, right? That's right. That's right. You always have that that backup option 
with Medicare. And and like you said, most times they go with the enrollee. So so absolutely good stuff. Now, since we were able to to save, you know, Mark, a little bit of money there. What, Only what, in $29,000. Which, <laughs> in, in which he should have probably never gotten billed realistically in the first place for that. Right. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm sure him and his wife, you know, with, with everything that was going on while they were out of town trying to enjoy themselves, you know, insurance and relaying everything to the doctors was not something they were probably highly concerned about at the time. And also, although this probably took you and Mark a bit of time to resolve because you had a few avenues you had to go down first talking to united healthcare the the insurer then talking to the billing department at the hospital then making sure that the billing was resent and then making sure that the bill that mark received was accurate um it's not a small amount of time but i'm sure it would have taken mark significantly longer to put all those pieces together he had already actually spent about an hour on the phone with the insurance company trying to you know deduce all of this herself and and he just could not get past it so he was like i don't know what else to do i've heard about this frank guy i'm gonna give him a call and 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 just kind of just shot a shot and yeah that's fantastic and while i wasn't able to enroll him in a new plan just yet he'll be a client of ours the next open enrollment whenever we switch his plan oh my god frank so this individual he wasn't even a client yet he was not our client yet he was not a current client uh, this is a guy that, that that's actually heard us uh, on the radio show mm-hmm. um, and through some other avenues and decided to give us a call to see what I could do. And, and I'm glad he did because yeah. we saved him a lot of money and, a, and a, probably a lot more time, too, because his next call was probably going to be to the to the billing department of the hospital facility. They weren't going to really know what to do in that situation um, since they didn't you know realize that it had been out of network, but he had nationwide emergency and urgent protection under medical necessary situations. That's great. So one of the many reasons that it makes sense to work with someone that kind of knows either one knows the ropes a little bit on the front end or is going to put in the time, effort and energy to work on your behalf when you see some roadblocks in front of you. So, you know, if anyone has any Medicare questions, they'd like to have answered today, give us a call, 314-931-5877, or send us a text at 84126 on the text line. If you're approaching 65, if you are on a Medicare Advantage plan and you didn't have the opportunity to review it during during annual enrollment, we're in the middle of open enrollment right now, which means you still have the opportunity, if you're on a Medicare Advantage plan, to make a change. Give Frank a call at our office, 314 314- or um, send him an email, franklin at jblfinancial.com. Or you can always log on to the website, jblfinancial.com, click on that Contact Us button, and if you ask for Frank, that's who you're going to get. Very good. (laughs) So if do we have any more time? we got a few minutes. A few more minutes. Give it to us. Okay. So just something that I want to just clear up um, is the national network a part of these Medicare Advantage plans versus nationwide emergency coverage and and urgent care coverage. Right, because they are two different benefits. So explain Mm -hmm. to us what the national network is. So the national network, these are, this is uh, something exclusively to select insurance companies. We're talking like Aetna, United Healthcare. They have a national network. So that means if you're on an Aetna Medicare Advantage plan or if you're on a United Healthcare Medicare Advantage plan, any doctor's office or any hospital facility 
that accepts Aetna Medicare Advantage plans or United Medicare Advantage plans, they will consider you in network all across the country nationwide. And it doesn't have to be your Medicare Advantage plan because most likely it won't be as Medicare Advantage plans are regionalized in most cases. So even if your Medicare Advantage plan is not on the listed by name of a hospital or a doctor in another state, as long as they accept a United Medicare Advantage plan, for example, they will accept you as in-network. That's right. right. That's correct. So let me give you a a quick example. So, Mark, we're going to look at his exact same situation. Had the hospital facility that operated on Mark accepted any Medicare Advantage plan through United Healthcare, he would have automatically been billed in network. He just happened to be unlucky in the sense mm-hmm. that they didn't that particular hospital wasn't taking a United Healthcare policy. That's right. Real small hospital. Um probably, you know, uh, not another hospital facility within miles of it. So Got you. So as so you have protection on two sides. Potentially Mark could have used the national network had the hospital been in network for United, but he had the fallback because this was an emergency of the national emergencies. Exactly. Yep. So you always have that fallback. Um always check, you know, when you're going out of town and, mm-hmm. and I go over this in meetings with my clients. Check those zip codes that you travel to. Let's see if there's doctors or or hospital facilities in those networks just in case, you know, something were to happen. You were to have a freak accident. You know, oh, I can go to um, St. Iglesias in in New Jersey. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I'm just making up a hospital. (laughs) So so check those zip codes. Check Mm -hmm. those networks and protect yourself. And I think I just have one final question, which is the national network. That opens up your availability. Does it have to be an emergency for you to get in-network services? The national network does not. But you have to make sure that who you're seeing is in-network to get the in-network benefit. That is correct. You have to make sure that they accept any plan provided through a Medicare Advantage plan by Aetna or United Healthcare, whichever plan that you have. And then it doesn't have to be an urgency or an emergency. You know, you could be in Florida and you don't want to go to the beach. You want to go to the dermatologist. That's right. Mark could have. So so let's just say, for example, um, Mark, you know, he fell and, and throughout all the shock, he just looked up a, a orthopedic in, in Gatlinburg or, or Pigeon Forge or Sireville and he found an orthopedic that accepted a United Healthcare Medicare Advantage plan. He wouldn't he have had to have, go through the ER. He that's could just right. go right to him. He could have gone, went straight to him. That is correct. All right. So you got a lot of options. You have a lot of protection under Medicare Advantage, which means if you are a snowbird or if you like to travel, you are not limited to just the supplements. You may decide that's what you want, but you don't have to have the decision made for you based on what you want to do in retirement. That's right. All right, Frank. Well, thank you so much for being here this morning. We mm-hmm. really appreciate it. Again, if you want to chat with Frank or you need some help, Frank's here to help. 314-863-0008 or send Frank an email, franklin at jblfinancial.com. Stay warm, Frank. Thank you. Look forward to seeing everybody. Excellent. We're going to take our first break of this hour. When we get back, we'll be here with more with some more straight talk on retirement after these messages. The only Boeing sound you want to hear in your home is a great piece of classical music. And the only cracking sound you want to hear at home 
is the sound of tasty lobster for dinner. For other kinds of cracks, creeks, and bows in your home, you need Permajack of St. Louis. They have almost 50 years of experience repairing tens of thousands of settling foundations, bowed or buckling walls, as well as cracks and foundations. Permajack utilizes only state-of-the-art technology, techniques, and equipment. And many repairs come with a transferable life of structure warranty. Permajack of St. Louis lets you enjoy this kind of bow and that kind of crack on a stable and secure foundation for your free inspection system design and estimate call permajack of st louis today at 636-225-2553 that's 636-225-2553 permajack solid as rock this is jeff lapidus the retirement coach wouldn't it be great to have a game plan a real strategy so that no matter what was going on in the stock market, the economy, or the world, that you could be confident about your retirement? Wouldn't it be If you're within five years of retirement, call me today at 314-863-0008. That's 314-863-0008. Or send me an email, jeff at jblfinancial.com, to arrange your free coaching session. Let's get started on your retirement game plan today. Let's talk about smart choices for your money. It's Straight Talk and Retirement on the Big 550 KTRS. Here are your retirement coaches, Jeff and Aaron Lapidus. Well, welcome back to the show. It's 1030 on the Big 550 KTRS. Just had our smart choices about healthcare segment with our Medicare coach, Frank Ellis, in the house. Absolutely. And we just got a little follow on. Uh, text and the texter writes goes to show deal with frank not the guy sitting in the mall somewhere <laughs> absolutely you know i didn't even realize because frank kind of told me this story and i didn't even realize that mark wasn't a client yet and i'll say that not only i know that all of our clients are appreciative that they have frank to fall back on if something like that happens but it really does like Frank mentioned, expand his knowledge, expand his expertise. And if something like that happens to you in the future, you're going to have an even easier time than Mark did because Frank's going to know exactly who to go to first. I like the part about, you know, the uh, the bill was more traumatic than the actual fall and the breaking of the hip. Well, and you know, I, I used to say that all the time when I was in Frank's position, which is it we're here to help if something as simple as your name is spelled wrong on the card all the way up to I get a bill for $30,000 and Aaron you told me my maximum out of pocket was only $3,000 which is about what it is on those united healthcare policies and as you can see you know even having something traumatic like that happen you're not anywhere near your maximum out of pocket yet because these plans really do provide benefits for you even in the worst case scenario so it, it it's nice to see that we can get them to work the way that they should and we've got a uh, texter following up on our last segment, and a texter writes, So did I hear you correctly at the end of the last segment? It doesn't have to be referred by the ER or urgent care to see an out-of-town doctor as long as they are in network for for United Healthcare." Yes, that is absolutely correct. So United Healthcare and Aetna over the last several years have 
opened up their policies to what they call their national networks. Because Aetna and United are national insurance companies, they're going to allow you to hook into their national networks, which means that if you are out of town and you have something that is not an urgency or an emergency and you'd like to go see a physician, as long as they accept a form of United Healthcare Medicare Advantage, so that means you have to be very clear when you're chatting with the physician office that they accept Medicare Advantage offered by United Healthcare, not just United Healthcare, because there's individual health care plans offered by United, there's group health insurance offered by employers through United Healthcare. So you want to be clear there, but yes, you will have in network benefits places that are not at in your local zip code if you use an in network provider using a United Healthcare or an Aetna Medicare Advantage plan. So that is that is correct. You did hear correctly. That's right. So good. So I guess while we're again waiting for your text at eight four one two six from the KTRS text line, or your phone calls at three one four nine three one five eight seven seven, let's move on to our rock star of the week topic. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about Tina. Tina. Tina is sixty two. She is a new client. She is one of four children of a longtime client who recently passed away. Tina is not married, does not have children. She is also a customer service representative at a well-known telephone company. In her mom's passing, she received the following assets. 150000 in non-retirement assets, $130,000 in a beneficiary IRA, and 850000 in non-IRA annuities. But Tina has some tax issues to deal with, doesn't she? Yes, she does. I mean, it's not a bad inheritance that she received. That's a pretty nice sum of money. Uh, yes, it is. So um, in terms of the tax issues that we're going to want to deal with here, the first thing is, is that Tina's going to want to take her required minimum distribution of about $4,500 from... Uh, mom's beneficiary IRA um, because she'll have to have that account emptied within the next 10 years. So in addition to inheriting her mom's IRA, she also inherited her RMD schedule. That is correct. So and that's, that's the a mid- floor. Right. Right. Not the ceiling. The ceiling is you have to have it emptied within 10 years. That's right. And the great thing is these aren't numbers that you have to calculate. When you set up your beneficiary IRA with your investment advisor representative or if you're working directly with a bank when they set it up, if you are inheriting an IRA from an individual that already was taking required minimum distributions, they are going to calculate the minimum requirement for you for that 10-year period. They're obviously not going to tell you, hey, you got to you got to empty this at the 10th year, but they will let you know what that minimum amount is. You are eligible to take as much as you'd like above and beyond that um, as long as you have the account emptied within 10 years. Okay, and the annuities that she inherited, they have to be taken no later than five years. Of the 150000 she inherited, 40000 is accrued interest that is taxable as ordinary income. So this is an important point, which is that non-qualified annuities, so annuities that are held outside of retirement accounts, those do not receive the step-up in basis that other securities do outside of IRA accounts. So for example, if Tina had inherited uh, stocks and bonds, uh, stocks outside of 
mom's IRA account, she would have gotten that step up in basis. Annuities do not qualify for that step up in basis, so she's going to be responsible for taxes on the interest that's accrued inside of those um, annuities. Is that why your dad refers to them as the tax time bombs? (laughs) Dad, is that why? Yes, very much so. And in Tina's situation, um, she's only making a $500 bi-monthly contribution um, to her 401k plan. So in her case, um, just like many anyone else, it would, the big question here is how can we absorb um, the cash flow that's associated in taxability of the IRAs and annuity distributions while paying the least amount to Uncle Sam? With the annuities, what's interesting is is that even though we have to distribute them within five years, um, when she begins to take those distributions, um, she can do that in this particular case um, when she would want to, but the first money that comes out of those annuities are going to be uh, taxable as interest. So it's going to be last in, first out. A good way to think about this. And also, um, Tina does not need any of these income distributions today, but she's also indicated to us that she would like to retire at her normal retirement age, which coincidentally is at 67, so it's really five years from now. And one other note I would just add is that Tina is currently making a $500 a month bi-monthly contribution to her company's 401k plan, which will come into play later as we plan this out. So she's got a little bit of room. So, babe, why don't you talk a little bit about um, a couple of the options that we discussed with her? So the first thing that we considered was because Tina is not making a maximum contribution to her 401k, let's increase that. And we can't increase it directly by just sending a check to your 401k plan because, as most of you know, if you are still uh, working, the only way that you can get money into your retirement plan is through a payroll deduction. So we suggested to Tina that she increase her contribution from $500 per paycheck to $1,250 per paycheck, which would equate to that $18,000 maximum per year. Now, you're probably thinking, well, how does Tina live if we have almost doubled her contributions every month? We're going to use the distribution that Tina is taking from the inherited IRA and also from the annuities that she's going to be required to liquidate over the next five years to supplement her income. And what that will do is she's going to pay taxes when the distribution comes out from those qualified plans and she's going to get a deduction on her taxes for every dollar that goes into her 401k so now she didn't directly take mom's iras and annuities and move them into her 401k but she did so through a back door we like to call this reverse engineering and if you would like a visual example of this we actually have a great video on our website called reverse engineering you can take a look at um a hypothetical example that we use that will achieve this same thing, which is we can reduce the taxability of the obligations that um, Tina has through her inheritance by creating some tax deductions for her. That's brilliant. That's, uh, we can't import it, as you said, directly in mom's uh, beneficiary IRA, but by turning up those contributions, we get to the basically the same place, which is wonderful. Well, and I'd just like to add that if you do go to our website and, and view this video, I, I, I believe I'm the one that's actually making the presentation. Um, 
don't think Weight Watchers because that's what I was thinking after I saw it. So um, in either case, uh, we could also then, number two, is we could use the non-taxable portion of the annuity distributions to increase her personal savings um, as well. And also, if we needed to, is to replace the income um, if she was to decide to um, reduce um, or retire, basically. If her income reduced, she decided to back up on her hours or retire because she obviously has received a fair amount of money. And then finally, um, which was kind of fun, is that we certainly are now in a position because we've created these cash flow mechanisms for her. Um, she can delay her Social Security election until normal retirement age, 67, or even later if she were to decide later. Um, this is going to have a really significant impact on her because of the um, 8% per year growth that she would receive, not including any um, you know, additions for cost of living between 62 and 67. Yeah, that's a 40% increase right there, not even including any of those increases you talked about. So the end result, we have essentially transferred the beneficiary IRA from mom into Tina's 401k and avoided any additional income taxes on the interest income from the annuities. And really, if, if we kind of think about this from a planning perspective, the timing lines up so nicely. Tina wants to retire in five years. We know those annuities have to be liquidated in five years, but the beneficiary IRA doesn't have to be liquidated for a full 10 years. So that means we might, we're taking larger distributions from the annuities because we have to liquidate that quicker, and then we can ramp up the uh, beneficiary IRA distributions in the last five years and potentially offset her need to elect Social Security immediately. And, and what was really fun with this was that, um, you know, we were sitting down with Tina in our offices and we have this very large six by eight foot electronic whiteboard and we're actually able to draw a timeline and really in pictorial form of how this would work. And you know, we do this with every client, and I think what's so great about this is, at least for me, um, I see things in pictures. And just being able to see the, the patterns and certainly being able to draw a grid of the timeline on this really brought her a lot of clarity and, frankly, um, some confidence in what she was doing. And at the same time, what it also showed her is that we had a lot of flexibility in terms of her planning as things progressed. Um, we didn't mention this about Tina, but, you know, in, in the conversations we had with her, we found that, unlike many people, because of COVID, her boss had changed. And the question would be, you know, she's been working from home. Would she want to continue to do so? Um, did she really like the re – she wasn't having the most, you would say, optimal relationship with her boss. Did she want to continue to do that now that she's in a position where we really could help her replace part of this income? Um at the same time, you know, she's in really good health, but what if that was to change? So being able to have clarity and creating a game plan for her really gave her an opportunity to make some good decisions. Do I stay at work? How long do I stay? Do, when do I leave? What are the faucets that are going to be turned on? How will I deal with it today while I'm not retired, absorbing the income, not paying Uncle Sam? Because essentially we really did transfer mom's IRA into her 401k. So it's kind of fun. You make a great point, you know, clarity, you know, plus uh, confidence, right? Equals more options. And what could be 
What could be better than that? What could be better than that is hanging on through the break because when we get back, we've got a few more Medicare questions to answer and hopefully a lot more of your questions at 314-931-5877 or 84126 from the text line. We'll be right back. Some days, my active psoriatic arthritis makes it hard to get in the game. Now, the ball is in my court. Thanks to treating my skin and joints with Sky Rizzi, Tizumab Rizza, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection for adults. Nothing is everything. Sky Rizzi helps with less joint pain, stiffness, swelling, and fatigue. For those who also have plaque psoriasis, 90% clearer skin is possible with just four doses a year after two starter doses. Don't use if allergic to Sky Rizzi. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With Sky Rizzi, there's nothing like clearer skin and better movement, and that means everything. Ask your doctor today about Sky Rizzi and visit SkyRizzi.com or call 1-866-SKY-RIZZI to learn more. This is Aaron Lapidus, the retirement coach. Wouldn't it be great to have a game plan, a real strategy, so that no matter what was going on in the stock market, the economy, or the world, you could be confident about your retirement? Wouldn't that be great? If you're within five years of retirement, call me today at 314-863-0008. That's 314-863-0008. Or send me an email at Aaron at jblfinancial.com to arrange your free coaching session. Let's get started on your retirement game plan today. Let's talk about smart choices for your money. It's Straight Talk and Retirement on the Big 550 KTRS. Here are your retirement coaches, Jeff and Aaron Lapidus. Well, we're back. It's about 1046. We have about 12, 13 minutes left on the show to hear you answer your questions in text. 314-931-5877 or, <coughs> excuse me, 84126 from the text line. We've got a little backlog of text here we'll get to. And our next texter writes, I'm sorry, I just joined in. Here you talking about United Through Work. I have a $6,000 deductible. Should I get a supplement? Well, if you happen to be 65 years old and uh, you'd like to take a look at a comparison between the United Healthcare plan you are accessing through work and potentially looking at a Medicare Advantage plan or a supplement, that would be a great opportunity for you to see a comparison between what you're paying now, what your benefits are, and what it might look like under Medicare. Frank's happy to do that work for you, so you can always give our office a call, 314-863-0008, and set up a time to chat with him. There's never any cost or obligation here, and it might give you a little, either it'll give you confidence in knowing you're in a good spot at work, or you may say, hey, it's now this is my opportunity to take advantage of Medicare and maybe some savings, but you do want to run the numbers first because plan benefits are not the only thing to consider when we're looking at Medicare. Okie doke, and our next texter writes, is there a time limit on how long you can be outside your local plan area? Yes. So if you are a traveler or you have more than one home base, the state of residence is where you're going to secure your Medicare Advantage plan if that is what you've elected through Medicare. They say that you only have to be in your state of residence for one day 
out of every plan year in order to receive benefits through your current plan. So one day out of the year is the requirement. Okie doke. And our next texter writes, My wife was involved in a trip and fall at a restaurant and shattered her shoulder, and the local city ambulance service took her to the hospital. The city ambulance service apparently waited over a year to bill Medicare Advantage, who decided to pay it because decided not to pay it because it was more than 12 months. Since the payment was rejected, the ambulance service filed a lien for $1,000. Is there any recourse? Yes, you do have recourse because part of the obligation of a provider is prompt billing, and that would be less than 12 months. So I would absolutely contact your insurance provider, Or if you happen to be working with Frank, contact Frank. Usually you can write a letter, include the bill so it will show the date of the bill versus the date of your wife's service. And you should not be under obligation to pay because the insurance company won't pay because the provider did not bill in a prompt and timely uh, manner. Okay. And our next actor writes. Right. Please explain the advantages, disadvantages of taking my RMD as a stock transfer or cash distribution. Thank you. Great show. Well, I would say the first advantage would be if you like the security, you get to keep the security. You don't have to sell it in order to meet your required minimum distribution obligation. That would be an advantage only if you like the security that you're looking to transfer. Also, not every broker-dealer will even allow you to do it this way. Many require that you actually liquidate liquidate, something, take it in cash. But if you have this option open to you through your broker-dealer, it's something to consider. The one disadvantage would be you have to find the taxes somewhere else. Like usually, at least as our process, is if we're sending out distributions from retirement accounts, be it required minimum distributions or just monthly income needs, we're generally withholding taxes for clients throughout the year so they don't have to worry about quarterly withholdings and also so they don't have to worry about large tax bills when it comes time to file in April. So if you are transferring the security, you didn't create any cash for yourself in order to pay the taxes, so you're going to want to keep track of that. That's a great question because, you know, I could definitely see how you might really, really love the security that you have. Like, you know, I just hate to part with this. <laughs> you know, it, uh, that's, that's But good. then I guess the other thing to consider is if, you, if that's the only thing you're holding inside of your um, retirement account, have you created an over-concentration for yourself, and this is really your opportunity to start reducing your concentration? That's another great point. Dad, did you have any? Yeah, I was just going to suggest here is that it's not really, I mean, I don't see where it's that big of a deal. If you love the security, just go rebuy it. I mean, it, you could, especially if you're especially if you're working with an, an advisory firm, uh, usually the brokerage fees are very small. It might be, you know, eight bucks or something to rebuy the security. So um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's such an issue, frankly, um, as you said. It's a lot easier to transfer cash because then it also can be a rebalancing tool uh, in your portfolio. And we have one more text question. How is inheriting a Roth IRA different from inheriting a traditional IRA? There's not much difference there. You still have to, if you uh, are inheriting your Roth IRA from someone who's already on an RMD schedule, you're inheriting that as well. You still have to empty it within 10 years. The 
biggest difference between a traditional and a Roth is you won't be paying any taxes. That's a huge difference. It's huge. That's the monumental best difference there is between inheriting a Roth versus inheriting they're a almost, traditional. They're almost the same with that big, giant... Um, Caveat? This, yeah. You won't be paying taxes on it. Well, you know, and I, I like the concept here um, of matching cash flows. So if you're in a situation where, you know, you really would like this to continue as a Roth, you can do a couple things. Uh, first of all, what you might consider doing is matching the distribution pattern for the first eight, seven, eight, nine years uh, to that of a Roth contribution. So there'd be one way of, again, reverse engineering, kind of going from mom or dad's Roth or Uncle Joe's Roth inherited to yours. That would be an easy thing to do. Um, and frankly, there's no taxes. You're not creating a taxable situation for yourself by taking money from the Roth. It's non-taxable to come out, no deduction to go in the Roth. So it's neutral as well. Exactly. And then in the last year, um, if you do have excess amounts, well, when you do take it out, again, as Aaron said, it's tax free. So the neat part is, is that you can then, um, start a new cost basis and some new securities, if that's something you're looking to do. Um, great text questions. I was going to say, if that's our last one, and we don't have any callers here at 314-931-5877, we've got about six minutes left. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about a Zoom call that I recently had, where I guess I've called, I want to call the segment, sometimes you run into not great advice. Is that okay, babe? The floor is yours. I was going to say, you managed to get the Zoom working. Let's hear it. Not so okay. good advice. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I resemble that remark, honey. What can I tell you? <laughs> so I, I, I visited with um, Jim and Joanna. Uh, they're both 55 years old and children, again, of some clients that recently had passed away. And what's neat is, is that they, you know, they're both doing very well. They're, they're in private practice. And uh, they've targeted at this point for retirement in about seven years. Um, they have access to retiree health plan, health care through um, Joanna's work. So the health care element really wasn't a problem for them. The real question became um, the money part. Um, they're in a nice position where their children are grown. Um, they're married. And naturally, we had not, and no grandchildren at this point. So, of course, we had about a 30-minute conversation about what the hell's wrong with our kids. Well, it's okay. nice that you have someone to commiserate with. Absolutely. And so... Uh, Jim currently participates in a in a pension plan through through his work, and Joanna has a SEP. And interesting was, for whatever reason, they had received advice that she shouldn't be contributing to her SEP. What the Said, heck? take take this money out and uh, pay taxes on it, and then invest it uh, personally. And what? I and that was exactly what my thought was. What? what? Are you kidding me? Right. Um, they, they also had some term life insurance, which recently um, they let lapse. Oh, my God. Why? Well, I don't know. So I don't know. So they're saving a couple thousand a month after taxes right now from their work, which is cool. And then at the end of the year, they're adding another 20. So in total, they're saving about 44000 a year after tax. And when you think about it, what they're really not doing is saving pre-tax. So we know that Jim's inherited an IRA from mom of about 200000 which has to be emptied um, at a rate currently of an RMD of 10000 a year. 
but we know that there's going to be a big distribution at the end of the year. So how can we help? Well, I think the first thing was, and I think it was it's kind of important because they obviously have an advisor they've been working with for years. And they said to me, you know, we're just not real comfortable right now. We just feel like something isn't really right. And, you know, in my case, again, as Aaron was saying, we had a lot of what the heck are you doing questions. So Joanna is eligible to make a SEP contribution up to 25% of her income, which, and the maximum is 30,000. What's interesting, as you can tell, is this number is really kind of magic because it really correlates with what they're saving today. So they could save, and if they do make this contribution, they're going to save about $10,000 in federal income taxes, which is fabulous, right? Absolutely. And they can begin withdrawing, and the way they would do this is they obviously begin to make withdrawals um, over the next seven years, and they would actually empty that inherited IRA, not within 10, but within seven, which is cool, and essentially taking Joanna's mother-in-law's pension or her or inherited IRA and transferring it into her SCP. So as we, got, as we turn up the temperature on her contributions, we also turn up the temperature on the beneficiary IRA withdrawals. Yes, and again, we could let that money grow, income tax deferred if we wanted to, all the way to Joanna's age 75 because she's past, she's basically falls within the new rules instead of 73 being at 75. Or if she wishes, she could begin to make withdrawals so that she could put off taking her Social Security benefits until a later date. Even better, right? Even better. Also, it's gonna it's gonna allow for more of mom's money to go to Jim and Joanna because it's not gonna be lost in taxes. Which is great. And so their total IRA assets are about a million dollars right now. And it's really not unreasonable, I believe, to assume that over a seven year period with putting in two hundred thousand more into contributions, that it's gonna be worth a lot more, at least a million too. And, you know, they've expressed some interest in passing money on to their children and hopefully maybe at some point great-grandchildren. Well, we know that that million, too, if both of them at the time, if they passed away, create a lot of income taxes because their kids are going to be in the same boat they were in, which is inheriting these IRAs and having to obviously pay taxes. Thanks for tuning in this week, and we will see you next week on Straight Talk on Retirement. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and JBL Financial Services, Inc. are separate entities from LPL Financial. See you listening next week at 9 for more Straight Talk on Retirement with your retirement coaches, Jeff.